following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 743 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, very energetic indeed, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today with the lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany E. Page. Well, I have had a week full of doctor's appointments. Poking and prodding. And I, <laughs> let me just say, no COVID, all right? I'm not sick. This is all... Just routine maintenance on the body, okay? <laughs> it's like you t- took you like you're taking yourself to a car dealership for a tune-up. Well, I tend to routine maintenance. You know, Is that covered by your limited warranty. Well, s- stereotypically <laughs> speaking, men tend to avoid going to the doctor when something's wrong or whatever, and that's how I tend to be. I don't like going to the doctor. It's not an enjoyable experience for me. Well, you haven't been uh, since the entire pandemic, for sure, because everything was done over Zoom. I had a Zoom appointment. Yeah, so it's it's time to be seen in person. Yeah, so I did that, and I was reminded of why I don't like doing that, because I got traumatized all over again. Traumatized. And now I have a new trauma that I need to work through, but I... <laughs> Was getting, and people who are uncomfortable hearing about medical things, feel free to skip forward, I guess. But I was getting a pap smear, mm. and my doctor, uh, feet are in the stirrups. Your doctor's feet were in the stirrups? That no, seems like my, a, an odd way to conduct a pap smear. My feet were in the stirrups. Oh. The doctor's head was, you know, where it is. In the region. And uh, she starts, like saying come here cervix (laughs) what yeah like she's calling a dog yeah and so i keep having that in my mind replaying at random times during the day (laughs) come here cervix cervix and i cringe and it's pretty it's pretty alarming but i also went to the dermatologist i got uh some of my my moles looked at and i got a a new I, had, I think it was an age spot is what I thought it was, a new thing on my face. You really, you use medical uh, jargon. Yeah. Medical ease very mm-hmm. well. Well, I'm trained, so you, you hear it coming through. And she said, yep, that's that's an age spot, and uh, you'll be getting more of them. So, <laughs> Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Celebration. Information. Uh, so yeah, it was a good time with the appointments and now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. So you will be next. And I look forward to hearing about the traumas that happened to you. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to be calling out to my cervix. So, (laughs) and I'm not even, um, I'm not even of the age yet to have, uh, my butthole prodded. Okay. Colonoscopy. That happens at 50, right? That's what they recommend. Unless you have... Probably like, cancer history, in your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is another thing. So I'm always asked 
do you have a history of this in your family? And actually, when I went to the dermatologist, I was filling out the little paperwork and it said, do you have a history of skin cancer in your family? Yes or no. And I wrote next to it unknown and circled it. Like, why is yes or no the only option there? It should also be unknown. And I always tell them, I don't speak to my family so I don't know and and then like my parents disconnected from their parents it's like a long line of no one speaking to each other so family tradition um (laughs) so no one knows it would be nice if we could all just like put that information into a google doc like we don't need to associate but like let's just kind of get together and put in what we know so that we can answer these questions at the doctor might be helpful also I think that your family largely I might be generalizing but don't really care about their general health and welfare. Well, and that's the thing. All my grandparents died pretty early, so the ones that I know about, I can answer for that, but it's tough to figure everything out. What am I, a detective? I mean, I don't know what's going on. I'm kind of in the same boat. I didn't didn't meet my biological father until I was like 18 and and really didn't have a relationship with him until he died this this year, last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Died last year. Right. And I don't don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he was old when he died, so I got that going for me. That's that's nice. I mean, if it's looking that way, I've got a few more years. Yeah. Well. Maybe 10. Uh, well, 15 let's, years to go. Let's hope for more. <laughs> let's hope for more, Jesse D. And get to the doctor. Get to the doctor. Important to you do. You act like I don't like to go or I refuse to go. Well, I think it's just laziness on your part. I don't. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a it's procrastination a, issue. It, it's certainly everything's a procrastination <laughs> issue with me, but it's also just a it's a time suck. It's oh, for sure. Waiting, yeah. and then you're waiting more, and a lot of waiting. You know, I fucking hate waiting. I don't like waiting in line. I don't like waiting on hold. I don't like waiting in in, in doctor's office with strangers staring at me. I don't like waiting. Well, it must have been amazing for you during the pandemic then when uh, lockdown happened and you didn't have to wait anywhere. You were just at home. Just like always. Just like every day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving on with the program. We have a lot. Got a lot. lot, I think here's what we should title the episode is Here We Go Again. Yeah, it it feels a little bit like that right now with the COVID numbers specifically is what you're talking about. Is that right? Exactly. It is. It is uh, very disheartening that that human nature. I don't even know if it is human nature. I I guess we are skeptical and we want to put pieces together and create patterns where there are none. Um, People uh, try to make excuses for their lack of understanding and lack of answers, so they create conspiracy theories, and that's where we are again with the with with the coronavirus. That the 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 our weekly average right now is just about fifty thousand new cases a day, um, up from like ten thousand just mm-hmm. like a week ago. Mm-hmm. It is, or or two weeks ago, a mm-hmm. month ago, mm-hmm. and and, it, and it's on the rise and. People want to say, well, see, this is why masks, it doesn't matter about masks. But they ignore the, the, the hard questions. They ignore the hard answers about the science and about the Delta variants and all the, it's just, when they say the pandemic of the unvaccinated, it's not just pandemic of the unvaccinated because they're the ones now dying. 
it's also they're making it harder on the rest of us again because these new versions of the virus are able to create themselves by running themselves through unvaccinated idiots. Right. And there's always on the Facebook page, the I Doubt It podcast Facebook page, which you should go like because you can interact with us there during the week. But And maybe raise the level of dialogue. We, he, we, we see trolls comment on those posts a lot. And there was one from this past week that stood out to me. And we posted something about the numbers and whatever. And he said, oh, my vaccine only works if, if you get vaccinated. Herc de der. Like, yeah, yeah. not understanding at all how this works. But and, feeling and so good about himself. I was going to say, feeling mighty proud. Yeah. That I just, you, mom, <laughs> mom. Yeah, I'm down here in the basement. Um, let me come up. I want to tell you what just happened. That's him walking up the stairs. He walks up the stairs. I just owned. I just owned the libs <laughs> yeah. on, on a Facebook page, mom. Yeah. He hit enter and then sat back in his chair, crossed his arms and said, <laughs> got their asses. <laughs> Shout out to Ian and Jonathan. Yeah. From uh, Save Us from the Johns there. And this is kind of the exhausting thing <laughs> that you keep encountering, right? Of people who are so confident in their lack of knowledge. And it's really ex- exhausting to deal with that. Because what you're speaking to, Jesse, is really important, which is the virus. Thank you, Brittany. Is, Thank you. Is going to continue to mutate. And that's really the problem. It's not that the vaccines are not af- effective. It's that they're not effective if the vaccine is able to mutate and these new variants come up. I mean, they're saying that the Delta variant is a thousand times has 1,000 times the viral load of the original variant that it is a year and a half that it is much more aggressive much more transmissible than the previously circulating strains so what what's going to happen after delta I mean what is the what is the mutation going to be what happens when delta mutates I mean so this this should be something that everyone's worried about especially those freedom-loving Americans ma, ma, ma freedom. that don't want to go back to a lockdown situation. Yes. Well, they need to move to Florida because uh, DeSantis has said flatly, we're never going back to a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Even though he's leading, his state is leading in deaths and hospitalizations and new cases, just like it leads in the unwashed Low information voter base. And let's also say there's also the Lambda variant. So people may write in and say, you guys aren't talking about that one. Um, But that one accounts for fewer than 700 cases right now that have been sequenced in the U.S. out of more than 34 million coronavirus cases reported to date. So we'll see. We'll see what, what continues to happen. But the important thing is here is that if you're not vaccinated, you should get vaccinated. And both Jesse and I have been vaccinated. Uh, We both got Moderna. We both got both shots of the Moderna. Which is important. I got mine back in... February? February, I think. Yeah. You got yours maybe two two or three months ago. April April 15th or 16th was my first shot. Yeah. And we had side effects, certainly. Yeah. But they did not last long. And... Everything was fine. Not long at all. It was like an uh, for for me. It was a day because it, it didn't kick in until like the next day of the shot. Mm-hmm. But it it just lasted the day. I felt shitty, and then bam, back to normal. Yeah, and the reason I think it's important to talk about that is there's been a lot of emphasis from public health officials about 
kind of informal communication chains and how people are more likely to believe anecdotal information from like a trusted friend or family member than like a healthcare professional, unfortunately. It doesn't make any sense. Um, But if that's the case, then we definitely want to be talking about our vaccine. And so when I had mine, my side effects were flu-like symptoms. I, I felt... My my joints hurt. I felt tired. Uh, I can't really remember what happened anymore. I'm trying to think yeah, because, <laughs> because it was so, it's so long ago and it, it was so mild. Yeah, 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 at the time it didn't feel mild, but that's because number one, I'm whiny as hell, and uh, <laughs> number two, again, a little baby. So it's it's really tough for me when well, I experience pain. I mean, I think it is good to to let people know that there are mild side effects, but they, they are so mild they're not really worth talking about. It's not like, oh, I had diarrhea for a week and almost died from dehydration. (laughs) You just had a fucking headache and you were tired. I mean, that's what happened with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So So the, the CDC director has been making the rounds again, talking about the Delta variant and encouraging people to get vaccinated, encouraging people, if they do so choose, because they haven't yet changed the guidance to continue to wear their masks indoors. I personally have experienced more patients die within the past two weeks than I have had patients die in the last six months. Baptist Health is one of the largest hospital systems in the state of Florida, now treating more than five times as many COVID patients as they were compared to this time last month, and more than 90% of them have not been vaccinated. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky sounding the alarm on the Delta variant. It is one of the most infectious respiratory viruses we know of and that I have seen in my 20-year career. Florida is experiencing the nation's most significant increase in new case numbers and hospitalizations. New cases are up by 490% over the last month, daily hospital admissions up by nearly 55% in the last week alone. Dr. Michelle Aquino says numbers in Jacksonville are skyrocketing and that 99.9% of her hospital's patients have not been vaccinated. They're getting sicker faster and we're seeing a lot of these younger people in the ICU and we're seeing deaths in younger people. When you see someone under 40 die because of COVID, when there's a vaccine they could have gotten to prevent it, that breaks your heart. Missouri reporting a 234% jump in new virus cases over the last month. Some cities tightening restrictions. New Orleans and Philadelphia joining Los Angeles, now recommending that vaccinated people wear masks indoors, although the CDC is sticking to their mask guidelines for now. You may choose to add an extra layer of protection by putting on your mask, and that's a very individual choice. And we are still wearing masks. Well, I have to wear it at work because I work in a healthcare setting. So yeah. I wear it all day at work unless I'm in my office with the door closed by myself. And so I'm I'm used to wearing it. Like when I go out, I'd feel weird not wearing it because I wear it all day at work. Yeah. Well, for me, it's it's like they just said at the end of the clip that it's an extra layer of protection and it's it's no effort whatsoever. So for me, it's why the fuck not? Yeah. Just, I guess no one wants to wear a mask, but big fucking deal. So, you know, when I used to torture myself by reading like the comments on Fox News links or comments <laughs> yeah. really anywhere on the Internet. Yes. And then I would yell and get angry and start ranting and raving. Well, what I've been you doing. You just did that. Not on a Fox News thing, but right when we were prepping for the show. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Now I'm doing that. Oh, right. Yeah. I've moved on and it's other things on the internet. So every day I go and I read. You literally face pumped. So I don't even know what you were listening to over there because we're both. Oh, it's a clip we're going to play on the show. Okay. Yeah. I had what that was. I became overwhelmed with a rush of anger and I had to take a deep breath so that I didn't start ranting and raving. You rested your face in the palms of your hands yeah. in a- exasperation. You'll hear it. I'll tell you wh- when it is. <laughs> so, so, no, so, so, no, I'm sewing. Okay. You're not sewing. All right. So, I've been going to Megan Kelly's Twitter account oh, every day. Oh, that'll do it. And, and reading her tweets. And she had retweeted something from Laura Ingram that, about kids possibly having to wear masks masks in schools and it was a new york post article and in it they called the practice of of children wearing masks at school cruel and again these are the same people that you hear banging on about young people being coddled and and weak and participation trophies and shit right yeah and and now they're saying that it's it's cruel for a child to wear a little cloth fabric mask on their on their delicate little face like what's what's going on well i mean tucker carlson has called it child abuse he has said to to call cps and don't let them leave until the the authorities arrive to deal with a kid with a mask on yeah this is this is an exercise like a therapeutic wonderment exercise where if i were speaking to these people i'd say okay so on the one hand i'm hearing you say that participation trophies are making kids weaker. There's just this generation of kids that are being coddled and it's leading to terrible outcomes for for them when they reach adulthood. But then on the other hand, I'm hearing you say that these little cloth masks that these kids wear, are wearing are like cruel and, and child abuse. So can you like help me reconcile these, these two things that I'm hearing? Um, <laughs> and I don't know what they would say to that. It would, it, uh, let me uh, demonstrate. It would okay. be... Uh... Uh, 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 uh. Okay. <laughs> wow, that is not a response. <laughs> you think you'd get a response from them? I don't know. So, but it, it should we should the CDC be reissuing a mandate about masks? Well, I, I would. I trust the CDC, mm-hmm. but it's not like they're saying it's not like we live in a municipality that doesn't allow you to wear masks. You. You can wear them if you want to, and that's what we're choosing to do. But do you think that there's people who who are out there who are not wearing their mask indoors? Who are like unvaccinated assholes? No, no, no. Uh, who would that, yes, who I, would wear the mask indoors if the CDC reinstituted the mandate? Yeah, sure. I think there's a lot of people out there who who just want to go along and don't want to rock the boat. And if they're given cover by a CDC ruling. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cuz this is another thing that Megan Kelly tweeted. She said that the if they do reinstitute the order for mask mandates, then vaccinated people are going to be punished. Come on, man. Because they're going to be wearing their mask in public. It's not a punishment. What is with all of this language? Again, I wear it all day at work. It's a victim mentality. They talk about victim mentality with liberals, and it's the ultimate victim mentality. <laughs> I'm being punished. It's not fair. Well, and also in the beginning, it was so frustrating that my glasses would fog up all the time. And now my eyes have adapted and I can see through 
foggy glasses. <laughs> like it's evolution happening in real time. Yeah, it's very exciting. Lightning fast. Yeah. And now I can see through foggy glasses. It's no problem. So you can get like adaptive responses if you just NASA, do NASA, what you need to do. NASA should study your eyeballs <laughs> because they could probably be able to reverse engineer. Yeah. So when we look through the atmosphere with telescopes, right. you know, they have to do adjustments on the imagery. Yeah. They could just look at your eyeballs and say, well, how does... How does Brittany Page get it done? <laughs> you're a you're a you're a, a scientific marvel, Brittany Page. Yeah. Okay. So so all of this is really being being um, the focus spearheaded. It's being the the number the surges are being are being um, put out there. Why can't I think of a fucking word here? Um, by Florida. We'll just move on. I, just everybody forget that I did that. It's we're, Florida. We're, we're moving on. Florida's fault. Uh, like five times, the hospitalizations are five times more than they were last month. 490% new cases and a 490% increase in new cases. In that one hospital they talked to, 99.9% of people were not vaccinated. Missouri, a, a 230% increase in new cases. This is being, um, I still can't think of a word. So cool. This is being brought to you by <laughs> states like Florida. So Ron DeSantis talking is hard. When you when you hear Ron DeSantis talk, he's making all kinds of excuses. Oh, it's because of the season, but we're not going to lock down again. Yeah, but there's there's another there's another track that's been a t- talking point that's been kind of adopted by some governors, and shockingly enough, by Kay Ivey, the Republican, terrible Republican governor of Alabama who's just really calling it like it is. What is it going to take to get people to get shots in arms? I don't know. You tell me. Folks supposed to have common sense. And, but it's time for, to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. But as a leader of the state, don't you think it's your responsibility to try and help get this situation under control? I've done all I know how to do. I can encourage you to do something, but I can't make you take care of yourself. So Kay Ivey, is, it's unvaccinated folks and regular folks. <laughs> wow. And then, initially, I remembered her saying normal. Yeah. But it wasn't normal. It's regular folks. Yeah. And then the uh, talk about otherizing. I know, right? Which is kind of what we need right now. I, I, listen, I know that we have disagreements about, because I'm tired of, 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 of talking about these people as vaccine hesitant. Because at this point, you're making a statement. At this point, with all the information that's out there, the way I see it, you're just, it's a protest move, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't agree with that. And something that helped me kind of change my perspective on that was... So you used to agree, but you, you've since changed. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like it was motivated by the dumbness. And oh. now I... No, I'm kidding. I... <laughs> Um, I read That's prick shit, bro. Yes, it is That's prick shit. I read Ed Yong's latest column in the Atlantic. Oh, I didn't it, know Ed Yong had sounded off. Oh yeah. my god, Ed Yong. No, he's my favorite science reporter <laughs> I don't in the Atlantic. Know who Ed Yong is? He just won a Pulitzer Prize this year, and he's my favorite science reporter. Everything that he writes, I read in the Atlantic, and he he makes me a better thinker for sure. And he recently interviewed Rhea Boyd, a pediatrician and public health advocate in San Francisco, and 
she was talking about the outreach that she does to people who are not vaccinated. And this actually started her outreach before the vaccine was even available. Mm. And she talks about how we're starting to view the unvaccinated as a monolith. And she believes that they're not a monolith, that this this group constitutes many different people anti-vaxxers being part of that group but not being the entire group Mm -hmm. and one thing she talks a lot about is the issue of access and people still not having access to credible information about vaccines and kind of the information gap that is driving the vaccination gap specifically talking about um, black people who are one of the least vaccinated groups in part because they have the least access to, quote, preventative health care services, as she talks about in this article. So I think that's an important part of it, too. And looking at the group of unvaccinated people, not just on the whole as being anti-vaxxers, they're certainly the loudest in that group. Yeah. So so is it a failure of the Biden administration then for not uh, doing uh, the work to educate? Because... It's certainly not access to the vaccine that's the problem. It's fucking free, and it's readily available at any pharmacy you go to. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's a fair point, because President Biden promised that 90% of people would have a vaccination site within five miles of their home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that's true, but according to Dr. Boyd in this article... She says that availability and access aren't the same thing. Quote, if you have to walk five miles, you're going to rethink getting vaccinated, especially if you're elderly or you have a chronic disease or the round trip is interfering with other things like work. Much of our paid workforce doesn't have flexibility about hours or couldn't take a day off if they wanted to. And if you don't have paid sick leave to deal with the vaccine or the potential side effects of the second dose, you'll skip it because feeding your family is more important right now. She also speaks to the issue of child care being an enormous issue and how programs like Uber Uber and Lyft have provided free rides to vaccination sites, but that if you don't have childcare, that that kind of defeats the purpose. So these are other things. Or that- if you don't live in an area where Uber or Lyft, you know, r- the rural areas, there's no Uber or Lyft. That's a that's a city thing. Right. So these are other things that go into access. And again, reading this article just it, it prompted new considerations for me where mm-hmm. I think before I was thinking, OK, like you just said, everyone who's unvaccinated has made a choice. They're all anti-vax. They're all falling into this disinformation campaign and they're not going to be convinced. But what she's doing in her public health advocacy role is trying to reach those people that can still be reached. It's not the people who are like spitting on healthcare workers when they learn that they have COVID yeah. in the hospital, although those people exist. But there are people even she tells a story about someone who got vaccinated, who attended a town hall and said, I got the Johnson and Johnson shot. Did I get a safe shot? So even this idea that there's people who are, quote unquote, vaccine hesitant that are vaccinated, but not talking about how they got their vaccine because they're like afraid of side effects or they don't know if they got the safe shot. And so they want to tell their family members about it, which is then going to prevent other people in in that social network from getting vaccinated. Right. Yeah. Not prevent it, but just not encourage it. I get all that. And I, I, I believe it to be true. But if you if, at this point, if you I mean, some of those case, some of those instances, I think, are valid. Like um, if, you, if you can't drive, you don't have a car and you have to walk the five miles to a vaccine site. I, I get that. But I think that the, the percentage of the group who is unvaccinated that are in that in that particular circumstance seems to me 
to be to be pretty scant. I mean, I don't have the numbers. I don't know, but there 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 just can't be that large out of the millions of people who are not vaccinated. There can't be that large of a percentage of making up those numbers. So at this point, if you haven't gotten it, it is a choice. It's a choice you've made to not get vaccinated, which is endangering everyone around those people. It just is. It just is. Well, I'm being poor. For me, it's not an excuse. I know what being poor is like. I've been poor. So I made a face. I don't know if you saw it. I did Um, see your face. Because... (laughs) Because you're falling into a logical trap that we call out a lot on the show, which is that, like, I have had this experience. I know what it's like. I know that you can do better. And I I don't think that that's fair to say in a lot of these cases because you don't actually know. And just because you had an experience doesn't mean that other people are having a similar experience or can overcome it in similar ways. So um, So, so for me, for me, it's it's the, the age old meaning a year and a half old for me, <laughs> of de- deciding whether I'm going to be punching up or punching down. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm going to be supporting the people who are unable, actually unable to get vaccinated over the people who are who are choosing to not get vaccinated because of whatever, ignorance, uh, recalcitrance, whatever. Which is great. I, but I don't think you were just doing that. Now I think you're parsing it, which I think is great. I think you should be doing that. <laughs> but before you were speaking as it's a monolith at this point, a monolith at this time, if you if you haven't gotten it, it's a choice. Oh, Fuck no, off. Well, no, no, but but I'm not saying it's a monolith. You're putting that on me. What I'm saying is if you if right now you have you don't have a vaccine, it is because you've chosen to not do so. Okay. That, but that can't be argued. Well, again, but when you have like people who are like founded an organization, a national campaign, the conversation in which black and Latino healthcare workers provide information about vaccines, go and do outreach in the community. When you have someone who is working for this organization, created, co-developed this national campaign, and she's quoted in an article saying that there are large portions of people coming to these town halls that just have misinformation and aren't necessarily anti-vaxxers who are radical and they're just afraid and need more information or don't have access. Yeah, I'm not arguing with that. I'm saying at this point, if they've decided to not get a vaccine, they've decided to not do it. I mean, they may change their minds, but at this point, they're part of the problem. Whether they're poor or whether whatever, you're part of the problem if you're not vaccinated. And so what do we do with that? I don't get paid to make those kind of decisions. I don't know. I don't I don't know. It, it, we're in a fucking very tough spot because right now I'm looking at the New York Times COVID stats page and I'm I'm seeing that giant spike that has um a a, a very I mean if you're looking at it from the from the perspective of, you know, on the axis, it's it's becoming an almost stra- straight up and down line. Mm-hmm. The the rising cases. And that's it's, it's scary because a lot of people are going to die. And part of me, my brain's like, well, fuck them. I mean, this is going to be a bunch of uh, Trump assholes. And we got a clip of a guy who's getting discharged the, d- the day that they interview him in his hospital gown, was intubated, almost died in the hospital. And he says, I'm not going to get the vaccine. That's part of their agenda. So part of me, I'm, I have a point here. Part of me is, yeah, fuck those people. But then my heart's like, ah, but people don't deserve to die because they're stupid. Or they're ignorant, or they make a bad choice related to this. They don't deserve to die. But it's all that to say it's tough. I, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Yeah. So 
that's basically all I was getting at was that I, I think it's a little bit and this isn't about the anti-vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers who are doing legitimate harm, who are putting up Facebook posts, spreading misinformation, um, indoctrinating people in their social networks, in their social circles. They're doing real damage. They're doing real harm. They're continuing this pandemic. Uh, they're making things worse. They're they're causing people to die. And yeah. that is really serious. Um, I think it's just important to when we when we look at unvaccinated, not all of them are anti-vax. And this this article helped me kind of see yeah. that. I so, agree with that. I mean, so, that's something I don't dispute. Yeah. So but, but um, part of the problem is, is that our our political leaders and our media leaders, people who actually have a platform and message, they're causing this hesitancy. They're causing the the decisions to not get vaccinated. Um. They may say with one side of their mouth that the vaccine is working and it's great. But on the other side, they downplay the severity of the pandemic by shitting on mask wearing, by shitting on fucking shutdowns. And that is what we're seeing with Ron DeSantis, who is now, again, the cause of the spike in America. If anyone is calling for lockdowns, you're not getting that done in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis refusing to back down from his conviction that he's successfully handling COVID in his state. I have a three-year-old son. You got people like Fauci saying he should be muzzled, that you should be throwing masks on these three-year-old kids. Uh, it's totally unacceptable. The state is averaging 6,492 cases per day, a figure that has nearly doubled in one week, quadrupled in a month. In just one week, from July 15th to July 21st, Florida has 45,449 new cases and is once again leading the nation in the number of new COVID-19 cases. DeSantis says it's just a seasonal thing. We have a summer season here, just like last year. It started a little later this year. So you're going to have higher prevalence for the rest of July, probably into August. And then it goes back. Doctors disagree. We have a much more contagious variant that we didn't see in December or in April. But then there's also this messaging from DeSantis. These vaccines make it so that your chance of survival is pretty doggone close to 100 percent which is a far cry from his tone last May. Because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it. A little less than 10 weeks after that press conference, Florida became a global COVID epicenter. Only California, with its larger population, recorded more cases at the time. So while DeSantis is encouraging vaccines, he's continuing to push back on masks and Dr. Fauci. His political operation is selling merchandise that reads, don't Fauci my Florida, and how the hell am I going to be able to drink a beer with a mask on? Right now, oh about 48% of Florida residents are vaccinated, and the state is now recording the most new deaths in the country this month. Yet DeSantis stands firm. We've never had any mandates in the state of Florida, and we will not have any mandates in the state of Florida. You'd think he would stop making these very strong proclamations right, about, about how great they're doing and succeeding. Yeah, <laughs> and how they're never going to do these things. I mean, come on, guy. Well, I just love the the... 
we've succeeded. All the media, they're liars. They, they're, they're failing to report on this. They're, they're, pro, uh, they're predicting doom and gloom, but we're on the other side of this. We're winning. My, my policies are a success. Ten weeks later, global COVID hotspot. And that's what we're seeing right now with failed fucking leadership, which contributes to quote-unquote vaccine hesitancy. Like I said, out of one side of his mouth, he's saying the vaccine is safe and effective. Out of the other side, he's selling don't Fauci my Florida fucking t-shirts. Yeah. You, you don't get it both ways. And it, it, it's not just from the governor's offices. It's also in Congress. Like in, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene this week did this 40-minute press conference talking about getting suspended from Twitter for promoting <laughs> for promoting um, anti-COVID, like misinformation, giving misinformation mm-hmm. about the, the, the pandemic that we're a year and a half into, and they're still trying to downplay it. Listen to this remarkable moment of what a hilarious dummy she is. Aaron Navarro, CBS News. Uh, Whip Scalise said today he got vaccinated, citing this Delta variant that's going around, and said he's confident that it's safe and effective. Two questions. Have you yourself gotten vaccinated, and do you disagree with the Republican whip? Well, your your first question is a violation of my HIPAA rights. You see, with HIPAA rights, uh, we don't have to reveal our medical records, and that also involves our vaccine records. So that is a violation of my Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996 rights. So I'm going to need you to not ask me that question. (laughs) Come on now. This is getting this is something that these anti-maskers that are popular here in Orange County. There's two of them that are like, I don't want to say famous, but they they have like risen to the top of the heap. Peggy Hall and Linka. Linka stuff that name. Oh, that sounds right. And the, the, they say the exact same thing, that if you're ever asked that it's a violation of your HIPAA rights, and all I hear when this happens is that bridesmaids clip when Annie is drunk on the plane. Oh, yeah. Because it's civil rights. When, when she wants the curtain to be open for first class. <laughs> she's getting, because she's drunk wandering around the, or high on whatever lewd she's on. Yeah. And she's she's wanting to be in first class, trying to sneak in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Because it's civil rights. Because it's civil rights, and it's the 90s, she says. Right. Like, it's <laughs> it's not a violation of your HIPAA rights. Well, HIPAA rights are a, a healthcare provider cannot provide your confidential medical information to a third party without your consent. It's not you being asked by a reporter, are you vaccinated? Well, and obviously she's been vaccinated. Otherwise, she would say no. Yeah. I mean, isn't she wanting to... Well, I don't know. She could just lie, I guess, and be vaccinated and say no. But again, it's this... They're wanting to teach people that this is how you can respond. That's the whole thing with these these local Orange County anti-maskers is they go they record themselves going places and having these altercations and then like see you too can like rabble rouse in public it's really exciting when we we should go to like a burger place go through a drive-thru today and like do you want fries with that that's a violation of my hipper rights because it's civil rights you can't ask me that <laughs> like, everything's fucking hipper rights i mean they've been going on on twitter yeah w- with the hipper rights thing yeah it's the new this is a wendy's sir yeah <laughs> I love it. And and listen, it is funny because they are fucking stupid. It is without a doubt a, a funny thing. But the, the the other side of it is that 
there's also a very real world ramification that we're witnessing. And it's people like the guy I talked about earlier who's sitting slumped over weak from being sick with COVID, getting ready to be finally discharged after having a fucking breathing tube shoved down his throat and saying he's not going to get the vaccine. It's late February. Scott Rowe is one of them. Here I am recovering, getting out of here finally tomorrow. Am I going to get a vaccine? No. Um, Why not? Because there's too many issues with these vaccines. This father, former baseball coach, small business owner, and hunter caught COVID and then he developed pneumonia. Before you got sick, if you would have had a chance to get the vaccine and prevent this, would you have taken the vaccine? So you'd have gone through this? I'd have gone through this, yes, sir. Don't shove it down my throat. That's what's local, state, federal administration is trying to do, is shove it down your throat. What are they shoving, the science? No, they're shoving (laughs) the fact that that's their agenda. The agenda is to get you vaccinated. You know who Mr. Scalise is? I know who Steve Scalise is very well. And then they go into the fact that Steve Scalise just recently said, he got vaccinated. He he said it publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's also from Louisiana. Who, who, by the way, also said that he's just like David Duke without all the baggage. I like that said every time we mention Steve Scalise. Yeah, I'm very conflicted about this segment because I imagine that it's going to reinforce a lot of people's anti-vax sentiments when they hear someone who when they hear and see someone who's in a hospital bed saying that they still would have gone through what they just went through and wouldn't have got a vaccine like I don't know it's almost like getting this testimony from someone who decided not to get it who survived and is like look at me guys like it's gonna be fine I don't know I'm very conflicted about that the, the thing is though is his argument for not he doesn't present an argument he's like yeah it's their agenda to want to get me vaccinated if you parse out that language it's the government doesn't want me to die fuck the government that's there's no reason given there's no rationality to him not wanting to get a vaccine well other than my freedom well and that's also why I'm conflicted about the segment because early on in the clip he said that that there's all kinds of problems with these vaccines and they should have said like like what like right. what are some of the problems with the vaccines does it land you in here it, it does seems... it land you in a bed where you need to be um on a breathing machine like are you what what are the problems with the vaccines yeah and but they didn't ask that it, it seems like the natural follow up right <laughs> it's just unaddressed there's so many problems with them yeah, uh, and for sure a failure on the journalist part. You are you are in a hospital bed right now. <laughs> Could it be worse than what you are experiencing yeah, right you now? You just had a tube jammed down your freaking windpipe. Yeah, to breathe for you. Yes. Is, are the you mean oh the sore arm is it, you don't like sore arms right? Is it oh you might have had a little a little fever, a little aches, a little, a little, little aches achy, and pains, a little achy muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm conflicted about that. But again, it it, it raises a good question, Jesse. I think you'll appreciate this. Mm, which is, I love appreciating things. So how do you reach someone like that? I don't fucking know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know where to begin. Can. I don't know where to begin. I don't know if sitting down with him and, and asking questions or telling stories or... I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be said about those informal communication channels of not... People who are convinced by Anthony Fauci... 
they're already doing what they need to be doing. Like, no one else is going to be swayed by Anthony Fauci giving any right, kind right, of testimony. Right. Yeah, because we, you know, Florida doesn't want to be Fauci'd. Right. So <sighs> now it's up to... Or the Fauci-ouchie, like that other idiot from Colorado, Lauren Boebert. Right. Now it's up to local community leaders, trusted figures like pastors. You're seeing this. More pastors are coming yeah, out are. and yeah, encouraging their congregations. Like, those are the people, I think, that are really going to make a difference in cases like this. It's not going to be Joe Biden doing a town hall with uh, with don lemon on cnn uh, it's it's not going to be anthony fauci can, uh what what did cnn say eviscerating rand paul yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not going to be that it's going to be people on the ground that are trusted community people that can hopefully you know have some sway on this so, issue we're gonna we got another covid related thing on the other side of the patreon break but before we get there can i just very briefly talk about the town hall with with joe biden yeah i had to fucking turn it off <laughs> I listen. He needs a different verbal crutch than no, no, no. I'm serious. No, I'm not joking. No, 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 no. I'm not being facetious. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not joking. I'm not. Yeah. Listen, you're the president of the United States of America. <laughs> I don't go to you, Joe Biden, for my comedy. Yeah. I don't think you're joking when you say something. I think you're serious. I think you're a sober individual who's giving us life-saving information relative to both policy and also the pandemic. Yeah. You don't have to fucking qualify everything you say with, I'm not joking. I'm not (laughs) being facetious. I'm serious. This is serious. We fucking know you're the president. So do you think it's a... I turned it off. I fucking turned it off. I I couldn't do it anymore. Do you think it's a verbal crutch or do you think it's him trying to be relatable and likable and like getting on the ground with people? What do you think the motivation is for the the phrase? Yeah, I think it's like really leaning into the folksiness. And look, I know... Do you think it's intentional? For sure it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And I, I know Joe Biden. It's not like we're pals. We're, you know, he's not telling me I'm not joking when we have conversations. But I, when I worked on the, on the Hill, I had many, many interactions with him. Mm-hmm. And he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's not a piece of shit like so many of them that I knew up there. But it's just, you're, he's, it's too much mm-hmm. of the, of the folksy. No, no, man, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm being serious. I mean, you need to take your new position with a little seriousness. Yeah. Or at least offer the position the seriousness that it deserves. I mean, especially after the last four years. My favorite part of the town hall was when the uh, quote unquote small business owner was oh, revealed yeah. was revealed by Don Lemon to own 39 restaurants yeah. across the country. In the same sentence. This is so and so. He's a small business owner. He owns 39 restaurants all across the country. That's not a small business owner. No, he's got an Etsy shop, Brittany. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it's Jeez, absurd. Fuck? Fucking CNN, man. Just dropping the ball. Anyway, we love you guys. We do want to know what you feel about this. I know Brittany and I, um, we don't always uh, agree. And in these cases, you know, Brittany oftentimes <laughs> shows more empathy than than I do. So I try. I try my best. Um, well, we want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. 
Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Helen B. Helen B. Ghostman. Ghostman. And Gary W. Gary W. Thank you very much for your very kind support on Patreon. We would like to remind the Patreon supporters that are in the tier for the Zoom monthly hangout. We will be having our next hangout the end of this month, which is... So it's always going to fall on the last Saturday of the month. So that's what you want to remember, unless otherwise announced. So this month, it's going to be July 31st at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That is Los Angeles time, our time. So July 31st, Saturday at 11 a.m. We hope to see your beautiful faces and very much appreciate all the love and support as you as you can tell, we're still uh, not ready to talk about uh, the Popeye stuff, but we just want to say thank you because we have continued to get very kind messages and very kind um, voicemails. So thank you very much for everyone who has taken the time to reach out about that. Absolutely. Uh, there are other ways you can support the show that don't involve your hard-earned dollar. You can follow us on Twitter, at uh, Brittany E. Page, at Dollamore, at I Doubt It Podcast. You can follow us and like the posts on the Facebook page. You can rate and review the show on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts now. That's a great way because it tweaks with the algorithms and they shift us into new and noteworthy and new people find the show. And further, you can tell a friend about the show. That would be awesome. We love you guys. We appreciate all of the time that you spend with us. So to wrap up, this this COVID segment, this here we go again, or whatever I said we should title the episode, we haven't heard in all of the things we've talked about today and and um, and played clips of uh, anybody in the medical uh, field. I mean, other than like the CDC director, um, actual and, healthcare frontline workers. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 I think that's a that's an important aspect of this is the people who are now being inundated with new hospitalizations. More so, I think somebody said, more so than even in the last like six months they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's another element to this, that when ho- hospitals get overrun, it's, it's not going to be pretty for people who didn't get vaccinated because there's not going to be enough staff, there's not going to be much manpower and hours in the day to treat those who need treated. And this is, uh, CNN did an interview with a nurse, and there's actually kind of a funny, a funny moment in it when she's talking about dealing with these people who are anti-vax or vaccine hesitant. You guys went outside? Get your puppies. It was extremely difficult to watch so many people die and then have people tell you, you know, on Facebook or in Walmart that you're a liar. Sunny worked on a COVID floor of a hospital at the height of the pandemic. Being a nurse was hard, but what made it surreal was living in Western Arkansas, where many people, even some in her own family, said COVID was overblown, just the flu. Nurses were really the symbol for this whole pandemic and almost all of the hate has centralized around us. Nurses have PTSD. A lot of us are suffering from it from last year and now we're having people come in and look us in the face and be like, no, I didn't get the vaccine and now I'm sick. Arkansas has the third lowest COVID-19 vaccination rate in the country. Just 36% of the population is fully vaccinated. 
Like many places with low vaccination rates, it's now seeing a spike in cases. Are you going to get the vaccine? I have not, and I will not. I'm not a guinea pig. There's not a change. You got COVID? I did. That's the reason why I didn't get it. But then after I got over the COVID, I had a heart attack after that. So why would you not get the vaccine? I might have a bad reaction to it. I see. Oh, that's good. That's better. You know, I believe that it's a freedom issue, and I've worn a mask probably a maximum of one hour in the entire whole thing that since this COVID came about. It was so communicable. Why am I still standing? We had people accuse us. That was the moment. I was going to say, was that the moment? That was the moment. Because that is a face palmer right there. I mean, this is one of the most frustrating arguments that I can encounter. I mean, it just takes my breath away for someone to stand there and say, if this whatever is real, then why haven't I experienced it? Or why am I still here? Why am I me, 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 me? This hasn't happened to me. Like, are you the only person on earth? I mean, you filter everything through whether it affects you or it's just the strangest argument to make. And for someone who uh, is like in a position to influence other people, especially with his terrible logic. Well, especially considering the fact that as of right now, 610,356 people in America have died from the coronavirus. 34.368 million people. Mm hmm. Have, have 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 been infected. Yeah, I mean he's over s- a third, right, of America. He's the same kind of person who would be like a self help guru type person who oh, would talk oh, about his life over ten percent. Sorry, and say you know I overcame this. You can do that too. Thinking that everyone is the same. I mean it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's so embarrassing to hear people make this argument. So yes, this was a face palm. I had to take a moment, and I'll take a moment again. Of. Uh giving their loved ones something else so that they would die and we could report it as COVID. We heard it more than once that we were just fudging the numbers or we were killing people on purpose to make COVID look like it was worse than it was or to make it look real when it wasn't. For the first majority of the pandemic, we wore the same N95 for like one to two weeks at a time. Tell me what you think about the term healthcare heroes. Oh, I think it sucks. (laughs) Why? So they dubbed us healthcare heroes. It just, it gave the public this really wrong impression that we were sacrificial lambs and and willing to die for them. We want to help people. You know, I want to save lives. I want people to get better, but not, you know, at the expense of my family's lives either. Then you have the public going, well, you signed up for this. No, I didn't. When I was 17, I enlisted in the army. I knew that I might die for my country. When I was 22 and went to nursing school, that wasn't on the agenda. You know, (laughs) like I didn't volunteer to die for everybody. And even with the vaccine now, it's still a highly politicized thing for no good reason. People in my Last year, Sunny started venting on TikTok. You're just trying to spread fear. If that's what it takes to get you to listen to me, sure. I had avoided posting about COVID for a long time because of the negative reactions I got. Like, it hurts my feelings. But just a couple weeks ago, I had people in my inboxes threatening to kill me, calling me a murderer, saying I helped kill those people. I get called a crisis actor all the time. It's my thing now to respond to hate comments with for just $10 into my Venmo account, I'll tell you the truth about COVID-19 and crisis acting. I've made about $100, so. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and people like send you $10 and you're like, yeah, I'm not a crisis actor. Uh, well, okay. I'm just like crisis acting isn't real and COVID is real, so like surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> it's like, not the truth you wanted to hear, but um, no. 
I love that. Surprise! <laughs> She's also, made $100. Who's the idiot who sends her $10? Like, oh, I gotta know the truth about this. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> we knew it. We knew it. She's gonna tell us the truth. Also, let me say this. As someone who's a recipient of death threats on a fairly regular basis, um, why is this the new norm? To threaten to kill people? I need to fucking kill people online. It's so... The government... They need to, Law enforcement needs to do a better job of prosecuting these to, to send the signal that it's not okay. You don't just get a threat in somebody's fucking life. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, and I mean, that is, we have, at one point several years ago, we did take a report to the cops because it was really specific. And anyway, there were things that went into it and they were like, yeah, I mean, this like is a thing that happens. Well, she said, can you, the cop who was in our living room, she asked me if I could prove that the death threat guy knew exactly where I lived. I mean, well, he's not monitoring me by an ankle bracelet, so... But it was also so flippant. Like, it was something that was... Are unim- you really afraid, she said once? Yeah, it was like like it was unimportant. And again, it's... It is. It's strange that people are just threatening to kill people online without consequence. And listen, I get it. Threatening to kill me. Uh, trust me. I get it. But a nurse? Come on, man. A fucking nurse who really has dedicated her life to healing people. Mm-hmm. Jesse D, eh, understandable. That guy's a prick. But a fucking nurse? Come on, man. Well, it's a whole new level of these people would never say that to someone's face. Of course. It's the anonymity. Ooh. Oh, I don't have it on the board anymore. <laughs> I did it. Zero takes. Nice. You know what the difference is? Because it's civil rights. It's that I'm not reading it. I just said it. If I was looking at anon, it, and on, if I was looking at the word, there's did that no make way the show it did. We did. We left that in. Yeah, there's no way that I would have been able to say that just now. So anyway, good times. We'd love to know what you think. Again, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone. As I always say, to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's all kind of new books that are being written about Donald Trump right now, and I alone can fix it. And it is inexplicable to me. That's the newest one. It really shows what a dumb fuck Donald Trump is. That he he actually sits down for interviews and lets them put a tape recorder in front of him and ramble. For me, it's it's a delusion thing. It's a, he really does believe that his the wor- his words have the power to change minds and move people to believe him. Like even people who know that he's a grifting grifter who loves to grift the grift. Well, the again, this is the I alone can fix it. Donald J. Trump's catastrophic final year by Carol Leoning and Philip Rucker. Yeah, and Washington Post reporters and. Uh, Again, I I think when they talk about it, they went into Mar-a-Lago and they described it as you're entering kind of like an alternative universe where Mm. everyone that Donald Trump has around him and that he associates with supports him in what he believes. So just total sycophantic yes men. I don't think that he really thinks, oh, here are these two people coming to interview me that like don't believe anything that I'm saying. He exists in a different reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just is kind of speaking what his reality is. That 
that is, I mean, there's no, that's a very poignant way to put it, that it's, he lives in a different reality because the audio we're getting ready to play is them talking about January 6th and how he, either how he actually perceives it or how he really wants everyone else to perceive what took place. Well, what did you hope they would do when you said, go up there and stop this? Well, thing? I heard that people wanted to go down to, you know, that wasn't my rally per se. That was, there were a lot of people that spoke. Right. Not his rally. The night before, they had speakers all over the city. You had hundreds of thousands of people. I would venture to say, I think it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. Well, that, that first, that, that's nonsense. But second, um, I want to fact check that right away. The White House was in in uh, close consultation with the organizers of the Stop the Steal rally, and they they made a point to scatter some of the more controversial speakers across days and across venues. Like Alex Jones didn't speak on the same day as Donald Trump on the same stage. It was an orchestrated, organized event that the White House had its finger on the entire time. It went from that point, which is almost at the White House, to beyond the Washington Monument. It was, and, and wide. And, um, but if you could await your- Also, if he's saying this is the largest crowd he, he'd spoken to, then he's saying that there were more people here for the Stop the Steal rally than for his inauguration. Because mm-hmm. his inauguration should have been the largest crowd he'd ever spoken to, especially if it was larger than Obama's, right? Right. Ugh. And it was a loving crowd, too, by the way. There was a lot of love. I've heard that from everybody. Many, many people have told me. That was a loving crowd. And, uh, you know, it was it was too bad. It was too bad that that got, uh, you know, that they did. There were just some... But, from some... my state. But Mr. Pre- Mr. President, I apologize. What we're trying to understand is not not blame, not not castigate. No, we want to understand what did you want when you said go up there. What would you have dreamed? I would have said that, that you will show not to go in, although they were ushered in by the police. I mean, in all fairness, the Capitol Police were ushering people in. The Capitol Police were very friendly. You know, they were hugging the kids. You don't see that, but. In There's plenty places. of tape on that, too, in you some. know, because the Capitol Police were, that's the way it is. Um, but I wanted, I mean, personally, what I wanted is what they wanted. They showed up um, just to show support, because I happen to believe the election was rigged at a level like nothing has ever been rigged before. Uh, There's tremendous proof. There's tremendous proof. Statistically, it wasn't even possible that he won. I mean, things such as if you win Florida and Ohio and Iowa, there's never been a loss. There was a. And loss. did you need better lawyers? Because they they took it to court, but they didn't. No, give I needed enough better judges. To judges. I needed better judges. Uh, the Supreme Court was afraid to take it. Don't forget, if, if you take all of the everything out, take all of the dead people that voted. And there were thousands of them, by the way. We have lists of, you know, obituaries that said, if you take the illegal immigrants that voted, if you take this, the Indians that got paid to vote in different places, you know, we had Indians getting paid to vote. Many, many different things. All election changing, not just, you know, 12 people. I mean, all, because they were all very close. You know, the five, it's only in five places. Uh, if you take that, forget all of that. It's massive numbers, but forget all of that. 
If you take all of that, just look at one thing. The legislatures of the states did not approve all of the things that were done for those elections. And under the Constitution of the United States, they have to do that. And the Supreme Court, they didn't find fact. Don't forget, they didn't say, well, we disagree. They said, we're not going to hear the case. Uh, I'm very disappointed in the Supreme Court. What do you think they were afraid of? Uh, they, I guess they thought that it would be violent, maybe. And it was violent the other way, perhaps. I don't know. But I guess they thought that it would be violent. But the Supreme Court of the United States, in the Constitution, it says you can't, you can't have local politicians setting the rules. And they, they set the rules. Early voting, this voting, ballots, many, many different things. And these were Democrats going to Republican, with the exception of Nevada, which was a Democrat legislature. And by the way, they didn't even, they did, for the most part, approve. But they had things that they didn't approve. But the other ones had very little done, almost nothing. So they were setting illegally all of these rules, regulations, everything. Poll watchers who were absolutely brutalized and thrown out. We had no poll watchers allowed in buildings for days. Okay? It was an illegal, corrupt election, as bad as a third world country. Okay. So with that, the judges just would not, they would not rule. We had. Well, well, can I one more beat on that? If you had bad judges, that's like 86 bad judges. Were they afraid? Were they? Some of them were people you appointed. Um, no, that's true. I'm not saying I appointed them, and I was very disappointed in them. So much of that is just flat, just fucking lies. Like the poll watchers not being allowed to be there for days. All that's just... No, everything was a lie. Whole, ab, just fiction. Just made up whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Just fucking fiction. Also, listen to the tone of her voice every time she has to ask a question. Yeah, just like baby him. Yeah, and I... Well, I'm, I'm sure that that's motivated because she wants to get the information. She doesn't want him to feel threatened. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But how sensitive... Is is he that yeah. she needs to treat him with kid gloves in order to avoid a poor reaction that's going to end her ability to get any information out of him? It's it, she knows remarkable. going in. Well, it's it, for me. It's it's um he's got a good point there because I mean the one point he made that I think was really solid. Oh, is you know I watched um the entire thing. I, like almost having a panic attack watching the insurrection take place live. Yeah. Remember I ran into the other room like, you you got it. You were having. I was telecommuting yeah, at the time. Yeah. I was like, this is, oh my God, oh my God. I was freaking out. I mean, right. m- maybe not since like 9-11 did I have such a reaction. Yeah. And um, he's right. It was, a, Capitol Police ushered them in, lots of hugs and kisses. There was no violence. There was no bear spray. There was no smoke. There was no, no need to be alarmed. I was just a little little hot that day. Mm-hmm. Just running a little hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And like Fucking I said, idiots. alternative reality. And you have people like Matt Gates who are soliciting donations on the promise that they're going to nominate Donald Trump for the Speaker of the House. Right. This is the new thing. Have you heard this? Y- yeah. There, there's actually like a bill in the House now to to change... The rules are, I, I believe they have to change the Constitution. To prevent it. To prevent 
<laughs> someone who's not a member of the house from becoming speaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, can you imagine that guy that you just heard talk for five minutes? I know you're thinking that was like 30 minutes of audio. That was just like five minutes. Yeah. Just under five Listen, minutes. If you think Kevin, Kevin McCarthy as, as a speaker would be a nightmare, having Donald Trump as a speaker of the house would be a fucking unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Well, and Kevin McCarthy was quoted saying, quote, you know, I have talked to President Trump many times. He tells me he wants to be speaker and I think he should be president. Weird. Weird that Kevin McCarthy finally stands up when it's threatening his particular position that he wants. Did you hear, though, that later, (laughs) later his aides claimed that he misspoke and that he meant to say Trump wanted him to be speaker? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He misspoke. Yeah. I wonder what kind of a phone call he got after that that, that uh, quote was heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good times, everybody. <laughs> We'd love to know what you think. Again, the number 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Deja Taylor. Deja Taylor. And we should say that's a new intro. It is no, no longer the... Uh, the actual music from Bachman Turner, Turner Overdrive. Overdrive. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we don't, you know, we just don't want to have a problem in the future. Well, we, we're going to start putting... A, we're going to start more regularly putting this on YouTube. Yeah. And we don't want a copyright issue because they are uh, rather stringent. About doing it. Do you mean we don't own the rights to taking care of business? No. (laughs) Not that particular. So we have a version that's a little, a little bit. It's close. Yeah. It's, it's a a cover that sounds very contemporary (laughs) and very cool. Should we listen to it one more time? Uh, sure. I like it. Yeah, I love it. And shout out to Dan, because Dan made that for us. He's a musical genius. We very much appreciate him. And uh, yeah, so Deja Taylor is a 17-year-old scientist who created color-changing stitches that can indicate when a um, an infection has occurred in a surgical site that has been sewed up. Really? Yeah, so it changes color. 17 years old? Yes. Oh, I'm a fucking failure at life. And so uh, Deja Taylor sat down to be interviewed with PBS, and your mind is going to be blown. The colorful one here is Prince. For the past year and a half, Deja Taylor has been developing a unique invention to detect infections after someone's had surgery. I came up with color-changing stitches that provide early detection for infections with the specific focus on surgical site infections in developing countries because those can be very deadly if they're found too late. How does it work? When you have an infection, there's some chemical imbalances going on, and my stitches pick up those chemical imbalances, and then they change color because of what's going on, all the science stuff. The stitches change color. The stitches change color. She can't get too specific because of a pending patent application, but Taylor says she uses sutures dyed with beet juice to make the magic happen. 
beets are natural indicators. So a natural indicator is just a baseline term for a substance that changes color when the pH changes. Healthy skin is naturally acidic, but if a surgical site gets infected, that acidity decreases. When that change happens, Taylor sutures go from a bright red to a grayish purple color. By the way, Taylor is only 17. Deja T. Taylor. And she just graduated high school in June. Her path to these color-changing sutures began junior year in a chemistry honors class. This is the room. This, this is where it all started. After a suggestion from Taylor's teacher, Carolyn Walling. She sat in the front row the very first day. And when I brought up, would anyone like to do a science fair project? She raised her hand immediately and she stayed after school and she said, let's, let's talk about this. I read an article about how these scientists created these stitches that involved this really fancy technology that I perceived to be inequitable to those that would actually be able to need this technology. In low- and middle-income countries, 8 to 30 percent of procedures result in surgical site infections. But so-called smart stitches require smart devices, which are expensive. I said, hey, I can do it better, and I can do it more equitable. Issues of equity are personal for Taylor. She and her mother, LaDonna, live in the suburbs of Iowa City, a predominantly white area, and they have experienced their share of discrimination. Taylor says her previous school even tried to keep her from joining a science competition team. The lack of representation was even more apparent at her first science fair. She looked around and she said, I am the only black person in this room. And that was, that was like one of those things where maybe you know it, but you don't really notice it. You've never experienced the world that way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she looked at me and she said, well, I'm going to win this thing. And, and she, she did. did. Deja helped open her teacher's eyes to racial discrimination. And from creating Black History bulletin boards in her elementary school to co-chairing her school district's equity advisory committee, Deja's been on a mission to educate those around her. She sees her invention as another tool in that mission. So what did it feel like when you saw that this worked? Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did science. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So um, 17 years old, which makes me feel completely worthless. No, I mean, man. are you kidding me? And a real like that's a that's a stunning achievement that that. Just the whole technology of the stitches changing color yeah. when it's in contact with infected an infection. God damn, that's awesome. Yeah. So I I watched the entire clip. It's actually longer than that. So we didn't play the whole thing. So if you wanted to go watch it, it's on the PBS NewsHour uh, YouTube channel. But she's planning to go to the University of Iowa and major in political science. What? Which I was so happy to hear because as I was watching this, I mean what like president that's all that i was thinking i'm like yeah. she's gonna be president she's gonna be president she's gonna and be another stacy abrams who's also like a prodigy and but she's a scientist so i was thinking well how is she gonna be like get to the presidency if she's like a scientist and then she said she's majoring in political science yeah, i'm like yeah. yes <laughs> um so now the obstacle is making it commercially viable on the market and there's some details that she's still working out, including in, uh, ensuring that the sutures are sterilized. So there are a few things that they're trying to work out in order to make it commercially viable. But um, she gets a patent for that. That's licensing dollars. I mean, she'll be 
she'll be able to uh, go into politics because she'll be independently wealthy. Yeah, and I just, again... 17 years old. I mean, think about yourself at 17 years old and how I'd rather not. I know. And how (laughs) she's not only inventing something that's life changing, but when she started to talk about how she saw this other invention, but it was inequitable. And she thought, well, this isn't going to be accessible to people who don't have money or don't have access to this technology. So I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it cheaper and I'm going to make it accessible. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, well, it it really does speak to just how much uh, brain pan there is there, how much fucking smarts there is, because I wouldn't have thought of that as a kid. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to make an invention and make, you know, paper towels, better paper towels. I mean, I wouldn't even have thought of that, because I know I don't got the the chops. She clearly has confidence in her ability because she's fucking smart as shit. Yeah, I mean, my winners were... um like inventing things that were already invented, a.k.a. the word fringe. <laughs> and then uh, my grand idea was feet belts. Feet belts? Seat belts, but for your feet. Wow. Really you... good. So how, how much money did that make you? <laughs> oh, I'm swimming in it. Scrooge McDuckin' it in a drafty yeah. dome. Yeah, McDuckin' it in a drafty <laughs> dome. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about these and all other topics, things on your mind. Uh, our, our number should be in your... In your phone, just programmed in like a pal to, to contact when things come on your mind. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us this episode. And always, we'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.